Hey y'all, Lisa DeVilla here. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Life is Good podcast, where I give everyday women a platform to share their stories and perspectives on life. We talk about struggles, hardship, and perseverance that happens in real life every day in homes just like yours all over the world. I've always felt the need to spread good news, and sometimes that good news happens through hard circumstances. Being an Enneagram Type 7, I tend to look for the light at the end of the tunnel and a deeper meaning to life's hard times. So join me as I join with others to express the goodness of God throughout tough stories and tough seasons. Okay, so for my next guest on my podcast, I am going to have a friend of mine, Desiree Abbott. Um, we met at Mops in 2012. And she had a newborn and I had a newborn. And shortly after that, we became friends. And, um, you know, we have a lot in common, uh, kind of tend to say what's ever on our mind. And <laughs> I was just thinking we're both awesome. That was what was on my, yeah. my mind that we've got in common. We're both super awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a very, yes, very good point. Mm-hmm. Super awesome, both of us. <laughs> um, we, Anyway, so we went, we're on steering team together on mops and mm-hmm. um, became close over the years. Um, so I wanted to have her on because, first of all, I miss her a lot oh. and she's a lot of fun to talk to. I miss you too. <laughs> I miss I miss you at soccer. Can I just say? I miss seeing I Coach Jordan by the goal, helping the goalies. I miss seeing you and the girls. I miss it. I'm really sad our last final season was canceled. I know. I know. So sad. Me too. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Um, but yes. And I really feel like you have a really good uh, story to share. Oh, thank you. So, and I haven't caught up really on the, like, the things that have happened lately. So this will be a good chance for us to catch up. Also. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So, um, Desiree Abbott has lived in Texas for the last nine years. She now considers herself a true Texan. She's been married 13 years to her high school sweetheart and best friend, Steve. They have three amazing kids, Eli, who is nine, Andy Lila, who is seven, and Axel, who is three. God has truly blessed her with her dream job of being the women's ministry director at Hill Country Bible Church in Georgetown. She likes to imagine long walks on the beach while she's quarantined <laughs> and dreams of a vacation past her living room couch. So welcome, Dez. Thank you. I call her Dez. <laughs> Everyone does. I like it. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. I'm so excited to, I was going to say be here, but be in my house talking to you at your house. I love it. I know. <laughs> I really like this, you know, I really like technology at the moment. I know. I know. The one help. I know keeping us together keeping us connected right now so yeah Uh, thank you so much for having me I it's really an honor and I like you said I just am so excited to catch up so yeah (laughs) so how are you today (laughs) oh you know I'm at home I don't know if that surprises you but that's surprising I know (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm in my office so that's like a vacation. I'm in my office alone. So that's pretty awesome. And I want you to know that for this, I changed out of my pajama pants and into shorts to look more professional. (laughs) So, (laughs) Thank you. I really appreciate it. I really think our listeners will appreciate it. (laughs) Uh Sure. So I'm looking very professional for this. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, so Des and Steve met in high school. And so Des, I wanted to ask you, like, where did your relationship go from there? Like, did you guys date in high school? So we, like, all throughout- we dated our senior year in high school. And then I was going to play basketball at a real small school in California. And he was going to UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas on a um, ROTC scholarship. But we still continued to date. Um, and then I got hurt and had to end up having knee surgery. So basketball was out. So I came home and I'm from Las Vegas. So we um, are both from Las Vegas. So I went to UNLV too. 
and we just continued to date. We dated like five years before we got married, and we got married oh, in okay. 2006. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, did Steve already join the military at that time? So, he was in ROTC. So, we always, I always knew he was going into the army. I, he always wanted oh, okay. to go into the army. He was born in Germany because his dad was in the army. I think that he, you know, always felt. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. I think he always felt like just a sense of duty. And I think he wanted to serve his country. And, um, and so he always was going to do that. But, you know, we met at 17. So I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just knew that mm-hmm. he was cute. And I love yeah. him. So, um, but yeah, he joined right after he graduated in two in May in 2006. And I was still in school and I graduated in December of 06. And we got married exactly a week after I graduated college. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, what a sweet Oof. story. I didn't see, I didn't know that. I knew a little bit of that, but I didn't know there all you go. that. So yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, um, yeah, not knowing what you're getting into when you are getting into a relationship with someone who's in the military is kind of a kind of a big deal. Yeah, it, I. It's funny because I always told him too. I've always said I'd be a horrible army wife. You know, I I never thought I would. I was mm-hmm. strong enough, or I don't know. You have to be very independent. But um, at the same time, I loved him enough to try. And so I don't know if I was ever good enough, very good at being an army wife, but we made it through. So I was good enough to make it through. But yeah, you know, I mean, any military spouse, you, you know, you really hold up the home front and um, it's a it's a job in and of itself. And, you know, our military spouses do a great job supporting our military personnel. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what bases did y'all live at before moving to Fort Hood? So I got married, like I told you, in December in Las Vegas, had lived in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. and briefly in California in college. And I moved from Las Vegas, Nevada to Columbus, Georgia, <laughs> yeah, Woo-woo. where we were stationed at Fort Benning, and it was such a culture shock, but I loved it so much. I think that I was a Southern Belle just born in the wrong place. Like, I just <laughs> loved the South so much, and I probably never would have even visited the South had it not been for the Army. So, yeah, you know, like I just, I, I just loved. It. I loved the people. Um, I love these people know what they're doing when they fry a pickle. Okay, like. Yeah. <laughs> How smart are these people? Frying pickles. Delicious. Um, so we were there. We went to Fort Bragg, which is in North Carolina. That's actually where Eli, my oldest son, was born. Um, and we kind oh, of okay. ping-ponged back and forth from there. Um, and then we got stationed at Fort Hood. And we've at, we were actually at Fort Hood the longest of anywhere. We moved seven times in the first five years of our marriage just back and forth oh my yeah. goodness so Fort, but we ended up Fort Hood was our last duty station okay um I didn't I didn't brief you on oh. this next question but um when he got out of the military you wanted to stay here so what was it about Texas that made you want to stay since you know you talked about loving the South <laughs> <Yes>. so much <laughs> well I think number one um his family moved here his mom and dad he's an only child and when the economy you know kind of crumbled in 08 Mm -hmm. Las Vegas was kind of a ghost town and so I think that they and we knew Steve was going to get deployed and so I think that they Mm. moved here um, and they rented for a while just to kind of see if they liked it so um, his family was here which was big for us we had the family support But honestly, Georgetown is just such a great place to raise kids. Like I love, you know, I love that there's kids everywhere in our neighborhood. I love that 
um, I can go across the street and get a cup of sugar from my neighbor. You know, like growing up in yeah in Las Vegas, <laughs> that wasn't necessarily the case. You usually would, you know, go across town to someone you knew to get a cup of sugar instead of your next door neighbor because there just wasn't always that community feel. So I just love the community. We are very involved in our church. Um, even before I started mm-hmm. working there, uh, Steve's done the youth group. For I, you know, as long as we've gone there, he's done, um, helped with the junior and senior boys in youth group, and I've done all kinds of stuff there too. So um, I think it just felt like home. I think it's just yeah. where God wanted us, and I think we just looked around and we thought, "This is home. This is where we're supposed to be." You know? Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you decided <laughs> to stay here because whenever I have military friends that are, you know, around, it's like, don't move, don't, don't move. Cause Fort hood is so mm-hmm. close to Georgetown. And so I've made friends that have lived here and then had to move and yeah. it sucks. Um, but especially when they're just like understanding this community mm-hmm. of Georgetown and, you know, small town slash big town feel it has I mean it's got I mean it's got kind a, of everything it's got a <laughs> and the best downtown you know like the small the best smallest yes, downtown ever does. so yeah it's really got yeah like you said yeah. I love well when we were able to go places but when we were able to go places seeing people you knew you know you go to HEB yeah and yeah like, just hey, everywhere you, <laughs> you know and uh, again growing up in Las mm-hmm. Vegas I you know I think you could be out 24 seven for three months and still never see anybody you, you knew, you know, cause it was just yeah. such a big town. So, <laughs> and I like that our, yeah. you know, my kids, you know, kind of have grown up with your kids cause it's a small town and played soccer all the yeah. way up. And, you know, like I just, mm-hmm. I just love that. So while you were, was it before you were pregnant with Andy or um, like, soon after she was born that you started to notice that Eli maybe had some things going on that you thought needed to get checked out. Like, yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you, I felt like I saw things from the time he was a baby that gave me some red flags. Um, Mm. Just things that I kind of, I don't know, cataloged away almost. Uh, I remember when he was, gosh, I don't know, eight or nine months, maybe. I took him to the Round Rock um, Mm -hmm. story time and they would put a blanket out and then they would put all kinds of toys on the ground for the babies. And they're all the, I mean, the babies Mm -hmm. would just go nuts and like grab toys and everything. He never once left my lap. Never. I remember putting him in the middle Mm -hmm. of it and having, and he just cried cried and cried until he came back and he sat in my lap. And I just remember thinking, huh, all right, maybe he's shy, but that's, that's really interesting. And then just as time progressed, as he got a little older and older, we just saw other things. Like he was obsessed with lining things up. I mean, obsessed, like where mm-hmm. we would go out to a restaurant and we wouldn't be able to even stay there I felt like unless he could line up the sugar packets um so we saw some of that stuff um he was very very tied to Steve very tight like Steve couldn't leave the room without him falling apart um where it was you know Mm -hmm. I think everybody all kids have separation anxiety but this was to an extreme level yeah and he would never play with his toys. He would just line them up, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that where we were yeah. just like, hmm. and I always used to say, I don't know enough, but I know enough to be concerned. Um, yeah. And so it was at his two-year appointment. So Andy Lila was four months and uh, Eli was just turning two. This was November and I remember talking to Mm -hmm. our pediatrician who I just love. She's so great. Shout out to Samantha Dietrich Um, and telling her about (laughs) these things and her being like, I'll never forget it because she was holding Andy because Andy was crying probably because she was hungry. 
And Mm -hmm. Eli was crying because people were trying to touch, you know, he couldn't even handle people touching him. So I was holding him. So they were both screaming and she was so sweet. And she just looked at me and she was like, yeah, those are signs of autism. We need to really get him checked out. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like, okay, all right. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. So that's what they thought he had at first autism. Was Steve deployed yet at this time? When did he deploy? What, so how old was Andy? The story I just told you was probably like right around his birthday, which is the end of November, November 24th. Steve deployed December 14th. Uh-huh. So he deployed. So Andy was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my I goodness. Was, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So he was. So Eli had just turned two yeah. and Andy was four months. So y'all were living in Texas. Um he was in the army and so 2012 you um did you find out that you that he was getting deployed while you were pregnant with Andy or was it before you found out you were pregnant this is when I feel like the Lord is just laughing hysterically rolling on the ground because we knew we (laughs) wanted to have a second child and so we had it all planned out right on our timing mm-hmm. so we were gonna get pregnant you know like the week before he left or something so I would be pregnant while he was gone so he wouldn't miss anything uh-huh. like you know miss any of her being a baby or anything like that but honest but yeah I, I think we got like once we made that plan I think we got pregnant with her like the next day <laughs> so so I <laughs> you know like we just I'm telling you, we make plans and God laughs. But honestly, her being born when she did was the Lord's plan. I see his hand in it. It's exactly, exactly what we needed to have happen. And it was 100% for the best, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember you talking about, you know, all this Mm -hmm. uncertainty going on and having that bomb drop and then Mm -hmm. Steve leaving um soon after you got that bomb drop so what were those first few months like when he after he you know I anytime you know your spouse is gone I think it's hard I don't care if you know it's a day a week a month a year um so it was definitely hard Mm -hmm. it was definitely tough knowing he wasn't you know walking through the door at five o'clock and you know, I think the the kids, even mm-hmm. though they were so little, I think they kind of, well, at least Eli, I think Andy was too little, but I think Eli kind of, you know, went through a funk about it. But at the same time, throughout the whole time, I just saw God's grace and mercy through it. I mean, really, honestly, mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that was a time of real growth in my spiritual life with the Lord. I feel like I had never felt him in such a real um, way. I feel like I just leaned on him more than I ever, you know, when you have so much going on, like you do at that time, like I did at that time, um, there was no one else to lean on Mm -hmm. but the Lord. And so I think he brought me to a real place of just what what else was I going to do and um it was just yeah such a a beautiful time in my spiritual life a hard time I think you know most of the time when you have spiritual growth or any growth it's through a really tough time um that's usually when we grow the most yeah. and so when I look back at that year although it was very challenging um it was also such a beautiful, beautiful year of spiritual growth. And I think Steve would tell you that he probably had a lot of the same things while he was in Afghanistan. I think he had a lot of spiritual growth too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't ever want Steve to leave again. Trust me, that was just the worst. But at the yeah. same time, mm-hmm. um, I really feel like I grew so close to the Lord. So it was a tough, it was a tough go. There was some times that I was like, yeah. you know, I don't know how I'm going to get through, but hmm. 
I did. I got through with the Lord. The Lord got me through. I didn't get through. The Lord got me through. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God really can be so good in those times where you're just like, I have literally nothing else. Like there's, yes. there's like no physical internal strength left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, you have to, I don't know, muster it up somehow. And I feel like those are the times when God's just like, you know, this is the time where it's supposed to be the most obvious that God carries us through. Because <laughs> yeah. we, yes. we do survive, you know, mm-hmm. we do survive. And mm-hmm. I've never experienced, you know, Jordan being deployed that long. Um, but he's been, you know, it's been a couple weeks at a time sometimes when he mm-hmm. has to do trainings or he's, you know, on special deployments for the fire department, whenever there's natural disasters or something like that. It's like, you know, there have been those short times, but it's in those short times where I'm just like, man, military spouses, <laughs> I tell you what, like, it's just, and this quarantine that we've been going through, like today, I kind of, I kind of, this is totally off topic. I'm going on a rabbit trail, but I feel no, like it's so go, girl. now. Go. Go. <laughs> it's so now for what people are going through, but just like, I kind of was just like, I don't have anything. I don't mm-hmm. have anything. All of the stuff I was doing to, you know, have any kind of an outlet of doing the same thing, having a groundhog day every day mm-hmm. over and over again. It's like, I don't have any of that anymore. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, you just, you go through those times and God is like, I got it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you need your people. You need, you know, me. And it really is true. Even though we do need community and we do need people like, obviously, like I've never seen before in my life. I'm doing Marco Polo with so many different people. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to see your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back on track, getting back on the subject. So during this time that Steve was gone, um, did you have like lots of appointments you had to take him to, to figure all this stuff out? I'll tell you, I think that at this time, because it was just me and Andy was again, a baby. So she was so little Mm -hmm. and Eli, I really could kind of tailor our day around his success. And because of that, and because I was just in such at that time survival mode, you know, I mean, I Mm -hmm. just, I don't want to say that this stuff got put on the back burner, but at the same time, I just don't think I could have handled all of it at the same time. And I Mm -hmm. think that the Lord knew that. (laughs) And so I think that it just, for the nine months that he was gone, it's not like those things that were happening necessarily went away. I do think that there yeah. was a time that it, I, I do think it kind of lightened up a little bit um, purely through the grace of God, but it, it did. I, I put it on the back burner for right then just because, you know, I was just, I, I was in survival mode. I was just trying to get through the best I could. And I think at this time, not putting Eli through all of this without his complete family was the best thing for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's good. Well, you know, it's just decisions you have to make hard decisions, but Mm -hmm. I, I look back at it and I think that probably was really the best decision at the time to just kind of Mm -hmm. put it on the back burner and concentrate on what we could right then and there. Yeah. So then Steve got back. It was, it must've been the fall of 2013 Mm -hmm. and then um, a little before Eli's third birthday. Mm -hmm. So then did y'all start going through kind of a process at that time when he got back to try to figure things out? Yeah. So Steve got back in September and I mean, I, I don't know if what happened, but it was kind of like right away we saw, I think, I think the, what he was doing worsened. Um, We were Mm. seeing 
because he was he had three different types of anxiety once he was diagnosed and so we would see really bad situational anxiety which mm-hmm. like he would get his hair cut he had gotten his hair cut his whole life we would go to get his hair cut and he would have such anxiety he would do whatever it took to get out of the situation um yeah just different stuff like that so at his third doctor third three-year doctor's appointment I went back and I was like yeah we're still seeing all of these things and she was like we really need to to kind of get this checked out and so um I made an appointment for him and uh, let me tell you there is not enough mental health people um there's not enough mental health People for children, doctors, psychologists, all the, Mm -hmm. I mean, if anyone is listening and they are interested in mental health, let me encourage you to go in because I made him an appointment Mm -hmm. and they were like, okay, well, our next available appointment is December of the following year. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so the only way that we got in, which was a total God thing was I was taking Andy for her, I don't know, whatever checkup. And I overheard somebody saying, oh, you know, is there any um, available appointments in dermatology? Could you check? And I was like, you know, maybe I'll check. So I said, hey, is there, do you have anything, any available appointments in mental health? And she was like, they never have those. Oh my gosh, there's one at eight o'clock tomorrow. And I was like, we'll take it. So oh yeah, my gosh. We, got in, we got in, I mean, months before we were supposed to, thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um And so we saw a doctor side of it who was going to see if at that time he needed medication or, you know, that type of a thing or where we should go from there. Um, So I told Mm -hmm. her his life story. I I told, I can't tell you the amount of people I've told his life story in the (laughs) mental health field. You just. Oh, bless his Bless yeah, you just go into and so anyway, so she was really great, but she was like, "I think you really need to see a psychologist." And so we started going to. Her name is Doctor Carrie, um, and she's in Temple, um, and we saw her every single Monday in Temple for, I don't know, forever, and then we finally mm-hmm. went to once every other week. And then we've started once a month, but I mean, we have, we have put some miles on in temple to go to temple and Mm -hmm. she has really helped us. She finally was the one that diagnosed him with three different types of anxiety, situational anxiety, separation anxiety, and OCD, which is common to have when you're young to have more than one type of anxiety. And then as you get older, it kind of goes down to one type of anxiety that um, you'll definitely have for the rest of your life. Not saying that the other ones won't rear their ugly head, but you will probably most likely deal with one. Um, and she helped Mm -hmm. us through all kinds of stuff. Going to an appointment with her was basically Eli would play and she would be like, all right, so this is how you parent him. (laughs) And it was really great. She has helped us through a lot of, different things to be able to mm-hmm. um, just get him where he is even today. So we're really grateful to her. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Was it a relief finding out what his diagnosis was? I've heard people that, you know, have had kids mm-hmm. with special needs just feel like it was kind of a weight off their shoulders once their diagnosis was in place, because then they knew exactly how to help them. Is that the same kind of situation that you Experience. Oh man, that's such a great, another great, you're really asking the great questions. I think, I think <laughs> it was both yes and no. I think it was yes, because it was validation that I wasn't crazy. You know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. we yeah. had people who loved both me and Eli, people in our family that didn't necessarily believe that what I was saying yeah. was going on and what was I was saying was true and maybe I was just making a bigger deal mm-hmm. out of it. Um, and so I went back and forth on that a lot. And so it was kind of, 
you know, I guess in a selfish way, like I said, validation to be like, you know, okay, this is going on and we can move forward now. Mm -hmm. But I think also I had a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, okay, you know, like it's been confirmed. This is what's happening. This is what's going to happen for the rest of his life. He's going to always have to deal with and battle anxiety for forever. So I think it was kind of a double-edged sword. I think there's comfort in knowing, and I think there's also, you know, I don't want to say a sadness, but, you know, it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, all right, this is, this is the reality now, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, you know, when you have children, you Mm. make plans, basically, you make plans based around a typically developing child. And so then when you have a child with, um, you know, extra needs, it's, it kind of does put you on Mm -hmm. a different path. And so it just kind of pulls the plans that you had been making, you know, on behalf Mm -hmm. of the child, you know, um, just like all parents do when they're pregnant or when they've got little babies, they just think about the future. Oh, a hundred, you know, and so it does a hundred percent. And I think, um, him being our first child, um, Steve and I are both firstborn. I think we're pretty driven people. Mm-hmm. I think we definitely thought that he would fit into this one mold and he was going to be this way and this is how it was going to be. And then, yeah. you know, we had him and he just has blown up all of those things that we were hoping, planning, thinking, and he's blown them up, but he's blown them up in the best way. Um, because oh, that gave (laughs) no, but it's true. Like, I'm just, I'm really glad that he was our firstborn and he blew those things up because I think through him, like he is always beat to his own drum. Always. He has always been Mm -hmm. his own man. And I've got to say, I love that about him. I love that he, I mean, he would there, he went through a period of time where he would never, he wouldn't wear anything but workout shorts. So, I mean, he wore workout shorts (laughs) everywhere and he just wore them. Like, I mean, he would have worn them to a wedding. He would have worn them. I mean, anywhere. And he didn't, I mean, he just walked in like he owned the place. Um, And he has Mm -hmm. shown us, I think, how to be empathetic I don't think, I don't think Steve would mind me saying Mm -hmm. that we, (laughs) neither one of us was very empathetic. Um, And so he's shown us that. I think he's shown us um, just how important mental health is, how important mental health is in our country. Um, I think that has helped Steve Mm -hmm. um, to be a better uh, in his job. Um, And I think that he has just shown us what true love is you know I mean I think if he would have come out and just done all the things that we wanted him to do and perform and perform I don't want him to perform for my love and I look back at that and I think my gosh I hope I wasn't gonna set him up for that but I probably was so I think he's blown up our idea Mm -hmm. of parenting in the best way so right now I'm thinking about like the people who Mm -hmm. are at home with their children and they may be going through similar things and they're seeing now maybe more than they ever have before since they're spending more time with their children, you know, since a lot of people send their kids to school, but like maybe they're seeing things in their children that they, um, you know, that are raising red flags. Um, what kinds of thing, what kind of advice do you have for them? Like in this uncertain time, in this uncertain time, my number one thing that I would tell them is just to pray, 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 cast Mm. your, your fears on the Lord, cast everything that you have on the Lord, really depend on him because that's how you're going to get through this. There's been so many times that I have praised God. There's been so many times I've cried out to God. I, I don't know how people can get through a lot of this stuff without the Lord. So that's what my first piece of advice. Yeah. My next piece of advice, if you think something is going on with your child, no one knows more than you. You are their parent. 
write everything down. I kept a journal and Mm. I would write down the time. I would write down, you know, if he threw a fit over whatever, whatever it was, I would write down what he was doing before. I'd write down what it took to get him to reset. I would write down, I I kept a food journal Mm. of what he ate because there was for so long, we just didn't know what was going on that, you know, everybody was like, oh, it's red food coloring number seven or what. So I kept a food journal. I mean, I just yeah. kept all that information <laughs> and I gave it to our doctor. But honestly, it was good for me to see, okay, you know what? We have a really hard transition from nap time to dinner time or whatever it is. Um, and so write that mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. down. It's just so important. Um, and then when you go to the doctor, um, you're not just like, well, I don't know. Um, you've got all of it right there. Um, so that would be my next thing, yeah. uh, piece of advice. And then another one is just, I had a really sweet lady at our church tell me um, she has a son with mental health. Um, and she was saying, you know, you're probably going to leave the doctor with more questions than answers. You may never get a diagnosis. And so you have to really understand that you're not going necessarily to get answers. You're going to learn how to help your child succeed in the world, in whatever environment they're Mm -hmm. in. And so there's a lot of putting your pride aside. There's a lot of putting yourself aside and what you want and what you think and saying, this isn't about me. I need to make this about my child, yeah. whether I look good, like a great parent in this, or I look like a horrible parent, um, just, you know, doing that. And then also I think celebrating the, the, the wins. I don't care how small a win it is. Yeah. Sometimes with um, mental health, with anxiety or whatever, the failures look so big that it's hard to see the wins. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the wins. I don't care how small they are, <laughs> celebrate them. So those would be my, yeah. I just gave you like 27 things, but that's what I would say. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I'm sure people would love to hear oh, well. <laughs> 27 more. Um, anyway. So the past couple of years, like what is, what has life been looking like for him um, after, you know, getting his diagnosis and you know, you kind of coming to a better understanding of what's going on with him. Like what's the last, well, he's been, um, in elementary school. He's in third grade. Now there was a time when I really didn't think we'd even be able to send him to public school. So that was just such a win. So amazing in and of itself. He really has come so, so far. Um, and I think he understands more what's going on you know like when he was little it was us trying to kind of manipulate the environment around him so he could be successful and now it's him understanding the environment around him and how what he can do and how he can navigate through it because that's what he has to do you know the world's not going to change for him um and so I think that he's done a really great job at kind of understanding he this last summer we told him that the dr tracy had told us that it was important for him to understand you have anxiety and so Mm -hmm. we told him that uh he had some questions about that he's had a lot of questions um we told him that we would never let him use it as an excuse um, for bad behavior or to get out mm. of things. Um, you know, it's not an excuse. It's just something that you've got in your personality. This is just who you are. This is what makes you up. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a negative thing because there's a lot of of that that is great. Like with his OCD, you've never met someone more mm. uh, organized. I mean, he is so organized. And that's a great, great yeah. thing. You know, I think everybody kind of looks at it like it's negative and obviously there's bad parts, but it's like, you know, I want him to see that this is who he is and this is also a good thing, you know? So he, with his OCD too, he gets really yeah. interested in a topic and he learns absolutely everything about it. 
and he's got like this thirst for knowledge about a particular mm-hmm. topic and although we can't get stuck sometimes he gets stuck on something it is still really neat that he likes to do that yeah. so um he i think he's understanding himself better which has been um neat to kind of see um there's still been obviously struggles and uh tough times and you know it's something that mm-hmm. he's going to always have to navigate his whole life but i think he's i think yeah. he's getting better i think uh dr carey and we have tried really hard to give him some tools to be able to do that so you know i don't yeah. think we're ever going to be out of the woods i think we're we're living in the woods we're just camping in these woods but but you know i mean the woods are pretty we got you know a nice tent some off bug spray we're making it you know so as far as like resources for people what were the things and organizations or um just different things that have helped you and um well first of all helped you figure all this out and second of all um helped you be a better parent to him like what were some of the resources you have this really speaks to your personality like who you are because for me everybody was saying oh do you get online and look things up no good heavens no because you know by the Mm -hmm. time that you click you know type in that you know you have you know some worries and some whatever all of a sudden you know you've got stage four cancer or something you know like there's it's always the worst case scenario. Yeah, it's like so the worst case scenario. I didn't spend a lot of time online looking at stuff. Um, I think for me, my personality, mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. And I think for the most part, God sent me people. Um, I think Steve and I have always mm-hmm. been a united front on this. I think that's kind of another piece of advice. If you're going through this, your spouse and you really need to be a united front. Um, and because if not, you know, it's really hard, it's really tough and it can get in, you know, it can really wedge in between you and your spouse. And so we always were, and always have been a united front on it. Um, I think I can go to him and be like, you know, this is tough. You know, this is what happened today. And he can say, you know, that's really hard you know because he he knows the most about it um so that's been nice that we're together on it um the lord gave me an awesome lady uh, because i always would tell steve i just feel like i'm an island alone i feel like we're an island alone we don't know anybody else who has a child with anxiety i don't know what it looks like for him being a teenager i don't know what it looks like for him growing up i don't i have no Mm. picture of this there's no you know, like, Hey, this is what it could be or whatever, you know? And so the Lord, um, sent a sweet lady to me named Tona Racine, um, who found out that Eli had, had anxiety. And she said, can I bring you some subway? And I said, yeah, cause I love sandwiches and free lunch. (laughs) So she brought it to my house and she just talked to me about how her son had anxiety. Um, he's now in his thirties he's married, he has a great job. Um, And so it really gave me some hope just seeing, you know, what somebody with anxiety was, was doing, not like, you know, people with anxiety can't have normal lives. But I just I needed a picture, I needed somebody right there showing me. And so it was really great too Mm, to talk mm -hmm. to somebody that, you know, had already been there, done that and got the t shirt. And so she you know, was such a great resource yeah. for me of just being like, yeah, that's hard. Mm-hmm. You'll get through it. You know, yep. I, that is totally normal. He did, my yeah. son did that, you know, and just how awesome that was. And then just other people. I think that mm-hmm. the Lord knew that I was a people person. And so he brought me people and that really helped me for other people. I think that there's yeah. a lot of great resources out there. I think your very first step is your pediatrician. Go to your pediatrician and talk to them. Do not try and diagnose whatever's going on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not something that needs mm. to go further to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or whatever, but maybe they can just point you in the direction of some great books of what they think your child's going through developmentally or whatever. So that's, I would say your, your pediatrician really, yeah. you need to make good friends with your pediatrician would be the first route with that. Well, that's all really, really good and helpful um, advice because for me, just in anything that I've gone through, you know, the biggest thing that I want Mm -hmm. is to reach out to somebody who's gone before me. And so like that makes perfect sense in this scenario also, you know, Mm. like, um, you know, my sister Katie, her daughter has down syndrome. And so the the biggest thing for her was becoming friends with other moms that had children with down syndrome. And so that, that is, yes, super important and helpful because then, you know, you speak a different language with those people and, um, you kind of have, you know, people in your lifeboat with you and, um, you know, helping you steer and find your way in this like, absolutely. And I think that you're not quite understanding has such a negative connotation with it. I think when you think of mental health, you think of crazy people, Mm -hmm. you think of dangerous, you think of all those things. And, you know, I think there's always a dark side to mental health, to anything. But, you know, I think the more that we can get out and talk about it and make it a normal, regular thing, the better it will be for everybody. And the more people will feel like, yeah, this is what my child has going on. And I can talk about that's why I feel like, yeah, um, you know, I've always kind of been open with our story because I just don't want people to feel alone with it. You know, I don't want anybody going through it being like, I'm, you know, I'm an yeah. island alone. It's not fun to be an island alone. It'd be fun to be on an island alone, but it's not mm-hmm. fun to be an island alone. So, yeah. <laughs> well, how is he handling this, this whole quarantine situation and not having his routine and everything? Has that really thrown him for a loop? Or I think is it, school was always okay? um, t- a tough for him to get through the whole day. Um, it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of, even though that's mm-hmm. the routine is, you know, they have always a great routine. You just always kind of never know what's going to go on around you. So I think that that was always kind of tough for him. Yeah. Um, but so I think that the quarantine has been good for him for that angle. But um, we did have at the beginning, um, he yeah. did have some, you know, he thought he had coronavirus. He came downstairs at like 11 o'clock crying, telling me his stomach hurt, telling oh. me that he had corona. I was like, I don't think that's what it affects. But, you know, it took me like an hour to calm him down. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then with. It's also really hard. You know, your husband's a first responder. Steve left the military and now is a policeman. And so it's, you know, he's nine. So he understands that everybody is home except some people. And so when I was telling him that, you know, he looked at me, oh, it's so sad with little crocodile tears saying, you know, everybody's home. What about daddy? You know, and just what do you say? You know, I was like, well, we'll pray for him and the Lord will protect him. And, you know, but so he kind of gets that we've got this Mm -hmm. really crazy juxtaposition of like, everyone stay home, everyone stay home. Oh, wait, except for all these people, you all go out, you know? So um, I think that that's, you know, for everybody, that's hard. But I think when you're nine, that's, you know, that's a grown up problem mm-hmm. to have to deal with when you're little. And so I think that's been tougher on him. But I think yeah. for the most part, he is doing pretty well. <laughs> well, Des, I wanted to thank you so much for being with me today and being on the podcast and sharing your story. So I think it's really important, everything that you shared. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Well, and I just want to thank you too, Lisa, for having me on because this is just such an important topic, um, mental health and mental health issues. And I think that, um, like I've said, it has such a a negative connotation that we can really be 
the generation that changes it for our children. And so I thank you for coming on and I hope that this blesses another family or another mom or dad or um, just help somebody to, you know, kind of understand what other people are going through, if nothing else, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks again. And I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Thank you so much. for tuning in today and listening to what my friend Des had to say and sharing these episodes. And I don't know, I guess I really appreciate you guys. This has been so much fun for me. Um, if you guys feel led to support this podcast, there is a way to do that. You can contact me for more info, but otherwise just continue to look for the good. I know this time that we're in right now is so uncertain with everything that's going on. But just continue to look ahead to what is coming and um, just put your trust in the Lord in this time because we are living in an uncertain time and there is no way for us to know what life is going to look like going forward. So just continue to try to stay positive and encouraging to those around you. Um, I hope this podcast has been encouraging to you and I hope to continue to make these. So if you or anyone you know has a story that wants to be shared, please reach out to me. I would love to have, to be that platform for you to be able to share share your story too. So thanks again guys for tuning in and I hope you guys have a good quarantine. (laughs) Bye.